Greetings, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week comes off of a long string of recording list weeks. We did not release any episodes because Arsenal was pretty much on a break, and so were we. Um, what we will be covering, to whatever extent we have time, is the MLS All-Star Game that was played against Arsenal. Um, MLS being Major League Soccer, for, for any new listeners. Hi, <laughs> thanks for joining us. And... Um, the game that I had the fortune to watch uh, this past weekend of uh, Arsenal against Manchester United uh, here in New York. So uh, that and all the news that has come out over the last week. So uh, how's your summer going, Keith? Um, hi, Dove. Hi, everyone. Um, I see we're changing the intro this time. It's greetings instead of hello there. I don't know how I feel about that yet, but, you know, <laughs> we've decided we've decided in our production meeting, which was us just chit-chatting before we went on, that this is a new season. So yes, season two. <laughs> um, so season two is going with, uh, with greetings, uh, which is, which is fine, which is, which is fine. Well, in case anyone hadn't picked up on this, when we first started recording, um, it was shortly after the Obi-Wan TV show on Disney plus had either started or ended. I forget which, but you know, you and I have a, a deep, long Star Wars history with each other, so I felt it was appropriate. And, uh, it's the Obi-Wan line from A New Hope. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, see I'll never goes. say no to more Obi-Wan. I'll say, well, let me refer <laughs> the character. I'm not sure about the shows still, but, um. So, uh, speaking of movies, uh, this summer kicked off for me with Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which, if I recall correctly, I think you and I saw in the theater together, um, if I'm remembering yes. right. Um, yes, that's right. But yes, yeah, so I don't know if you've seen the new one yet, but I did, and I noticed there was a poster on the wall of one of the kids' rooms that pretty much looked like a Tottenham jersey. It was probably like Harry Kane or something like that. It was stylized. It wasn't like legible, but it pretty much looked like a Tottenham jersey. So that, that was interesting. Something that I am now capable of noticing. <laughs> that's that's ultimately disappointing. It could just be a, a white shirt, but also maybe I don't know. I did not white get to with see the blue. that. One. I haven't. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I, I yeah. haven't. I have not actually seen any movies uh, yet this summer for various and sundry reasons. Um, I did miss that one. I'd wanted to see. And I will try and very, very well get myself to Oppenheimer at some point. Uh, but otherwise... Uh, yeah. Yes, I want to see Oppenheimer, and I can tell you it's definitely worth it to see Across the Spider-Verse. It is a worthy sequel. Yeah. The one thing I'll point out to you and any listeners who haven't seen it yet, I wish I had known when I went into it, it is part one of a two-part story. I hate going into a movie and not knowing that it's not going to have a satisfactory ending. I didn't know that going in. I, that's the downside of me staying extremely spoiler free is sometimes something like that also gets caught by my net. And so, yeah, I didn't know that, but yeah, I mean, I was under the impression it was the second of what is going to be a trilogy. So I kind of expected it was going to have a somewhat ambiguous ending, but again, having not seen it, I don't want to comment too much. On the other it's, hand, it's not, yeah, it's not an ambiguous ending. It's not like an Empire Strikes Back unsatisfactory ending it's like this story is not over yet like there are major unresolved threads like it is it is more like kill bill or mm -hmm. deathly hallows or like those types of like uh. two-part movies where for the reason of not wanting people to sit through a four-hour long movie they break a single movie into two pieces so more like that so yeah. anyways 
Before you go I mean, too far I, onto yeah. that side. <laughs> I mean, this, this this will renew my regular call that movies should have intermissions in them again. But that's you know that's a totally different conversation. Well, yeah, a three or four um, hour movie definitely should. Yeah, I. Uh, but but to bring it back, on the other hand, pop culture I have seen. I did see all of Ted Lasso, which I understand you have not finished the final season. No, I'm about halfway through the. Yeah, that's season. that's okay. You have you Much have not yet gotten to uh, the Arsenal episode, which. Um, Knowing that I don't remember his name, but the actor who plays Coach Beard uh, is Brendan Hunt. Yes, Brendan Hunt. Yes, knowing that he is actually a big Arsenal fan, I thought Arsenal was it. I, it was integrated in the way I, as an Arsenal fan and a Ted Lasso fan, would want to see it integrated into the show. I thought it was very nicely done. Um, That's good. And uh, also, I'll just well, I, I have to be careful because I know more about Coach Beard now. But hey, I don't want to know spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Um, <laughs> But I know since you're just to transition us into the Arsenal part of the show, I thought I'd bring that up. And just since I know you've gotten through the Amsterdam episode, I just want you to know that uh, every little thing's going to be all right. <laughs> um, before we leave Brendan Hunt as a topic, uh, you know, he co-hosted with Rebecca Lowe a podcast talking about uh, the World Cup this past uh, winter when the World Cup was going on. Um, that podcast is now back talking about the Women's World Cup. So, uh, of course, I am blanking because I didn't plan on bringing that up. I'm blanking on the name ah, after the whistle. Okay. <laughs> it is called after the whistle, an unofficial world cup show. It is actually um, hosted. Well, hosted owned by whatever published by Apple news. It's like mm. a, an Apple owned podcast, which makes sense given, given <laughs> his other employment. Uh, he's actually going to be, or already is, I guess in Australia, New Zealand, in, in that area, watching matches uh, Rebecca Lowe, because she, as he points out, is employed is not. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, this, uh, what, so let me first bring up something that happened not long after our last episode, which was the FA cup final. Uh, I did watch the FA Cup final. That was Manchester City against Manchester United. It was a really fun match. Uh, because I wanted us to play in the Community Shield, I was rooting for Manchester City, which ended up serving me well. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was, it was a fun match. Um, I noticed a couple things that I'll table because we have so much other stuff to talk about, but it, it was good. Uh, it was, it was fun and Manchester city did end up winning. So we will be competing in the community shield. That's coming up soon, right? In the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, it's, we're recording on Tuesday. Uh, so it is two weeks from this past Sunday. So just under two weeks from now, which, you know, think about that. The season starts in less than two weeks. So get excited. I know. I um, know it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. As, as I'm looking forward that, to we it. Should, we, we should also add, uh, that City not only won the Premier League and the and the FA Cup, they also, as as many fans know, also won the Champions League, uh, winning yep. what is known as the treble, three major trophies in a season. They're the second English club ever to do that, uh, matching Manchester United, who did it in 1999, um, in much more dramatic fashion than City did. But we can tell that story another time. But um, hmm. I guess if Arsenal has to lose out the title the way they did, losing it to arguably the greatest team in the history of the of English football is um, is one way to do it. So, yeah, the the way it worked out for me with the Champions League final, I just happened to be in Buffalo Wild Wings as the match was starting. It was maybe fifteen or twenty minutes in or something. So I had them turn the screen that was most 
accessible to where I was sitting onto that game. And I was able to basically watch the whole thing, <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. And Reed watched, uh, my son watched a little bit of it. Uh, you know, he still hasn't gotten super into spectating yet, but uh, uh, he'll, he'll get there. But uh, I, so yeah, that was that was pretty fun. I'm just going to say I, there's a part of me that just thinks it's incredibly wild that you could walk in still that you could walk into a, an American sports bar and say, put the soccer game on at like a random Buffalo Wild Wings. And like, oh, yeah, sure. And they know where it is like that. That's at least. Well, what I'll say is um, it was already on a different screen. It was just okay. a screen that was right. behind me. So yeah. it was already on. And I asked him to put that channel on this other TV. So, yeah, that's what reminded me that it was going on at that moment was I actually saw it on up there. I was like, oh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. put that on. Let me see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so also in, in personal soccer related news for me, um, because I wanted to watch last week's MLS all-star match against Arsenal, I was able to justify to myself the cost of the half season pass for MLS. I, I paid for the season pass for what's left of the MLS season. I watched that match. I watched the skills challenge beforehand, which is really fun. Um, so we'll have some MLS stuff to talk about a little bit later, but, um, from what I've seen both there and then actually at the match that I watched, um, there've been a bunch of transfers. So why don't you uh, tell me what, what new faces and departing faces are, uh, does Arsenal have? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll have a follow up to the MLS one actually in just a second, but yeah. So for Arsenal transfers, I mean, most Arsenal fans have been aware of these cause they're all, they're all fairly big names. Uh, first we'll just talk about, um, the outgoing, uh, the one we know for sure that's confirmed granite Jaka left as we talked about, he's going to Bayer Leverkusen in Germany. So, um, uh, Alvita Zane, Granite, good luck and thanks for everything, as it were. Um, we have contracts extensions, new contracts given out to Reese Nelson and William Saliba. The Nelson one is an odd one given how little he actually plays, but good. It's nice to have that to help build that depth in the lineup. And then for Saliba to lock him down for another uh, couple of years is a is a big deal. So it's really exciting that we get him yeah. for a while. Now, and- before before we leave Saliba, he was playing in the midfield this past season, right? No, he's or am a I remembering wrong? He was a defender. He was, okay. Uh, he's, he's central defender. But he is now, now locked down a New Jersey number, right? Yes, he has moved on from 12 to 2. Uh, as we've, yeah. we've, we've talked a little bit about this before, I think, the way certain numbers are connected to positions on the pitch 12 is kind of uh could be anywhere number really right historically of course they're one to 11 uh two is a two is a defender's number so i you know to to be the number two um is pretty cool uh for him you know and it makes him a part of it and then um two that came in quick succession uh they've been they have been rumored and seemed likely for well i should say two actually i'm sorry three incomings uh, one was a bit of a surprise, uh, came at the very beginning of the summer. Arsenal picked up Kai Havertz uh, from Chelsea. Uh, a bit of a surprise in that he wasn't someone we had been connected to. There weren't a lot of stories about it, but he's a he's a, a good young player. He plays for the German national team. Um, he actually scored the winning goal for Chelsea uh, when they won the Champions League back in 2021. So he certainly hmm. got some experience and some high level experience, but like a lot of people with Chelsea over the last couple of years, he's hasn't played particularly well, uh, especially offensively. So it's hard to tell if there's just something with him. Is he maybe not as good as we thought, or is it just, you know, everyone at Chelsea was bad because Chelsea was just really poorly run. Um, right. We'll see. Hopefully it's, hopefully yeah. it's a Chelsea problem and not a Kai Havertz problem. 
Well, and with all these new faces, um, why don't you tell me, like, kind of how they fit in, either where they've played, like, are they a striker, are they a midfielder, whatever, and maybe if, to whatever extent you're aware, how might they fit into Mikel Arteta's strategy for the season? Right, and, and we can touch on a little bit as we get into the preseason, sort of what preseason's for. Um, but there is, of course, what we think they're going to do, the kind of role we expect them to fill. But then also, as you start to watch watch preseason, you're going to see a lot of things are very experimental, like moving people into positions, trying them at different things. Um, Havertz is a is more of a forward player. He would play up front for Chelsea. The sense for Arsenal is that he'll probably play in the midfield. One because we have so many good players up in the front line, but also. He, he, the sense was he's probably going to be a replacement for Xhaka in that role that Xhaka played. So a, a forward midfielder. So essentially acting as a forward. I mean, we've sort of talked about this, that ideally as Arsenal push forward, yes, we have three in the front line, but really when they push forward, they've got five because you'll see Martinelli and Saka go wide. Jesus kind of drift around and then you'll see Odegaard and Xhaka pushing forward. Uh, so you really tend to have five in attack, and Havertz might fit into that Jaka role, maybe. Um, we've also seen him play forward. One of the nice things is that we're building depth around the roster, so we'll be able to rotate those players around the top so that by the end of the season they aren't, you know, exhausted. Uh, that they're actually they have the energy, they have some they still have some, you know, strength left. Because especially with the the quality of the competition we're gonna be facing in the Champions League, we're gonna need that. Um those Kai Havertz. Uh, second signing, the last two really came in quick succession, really right before the team left for the U.S. Uh, the first one is a defender, Urien Timber, uh, from uh, Ajax Amsterdam. Speaking of speaking of Amsterdam and Ajax and and <laughs> three little birds, um, uh, he played uh, Dutch national, young, very young player, uh, central defender, but can definitely play out wide. The sense is that he's sense was that he's being brought in as cover for. Uh, the two center backs, especially uh, more uh, Saliba on the right side of the cent- right side at center back, but we've also seen him in the preseason actually starting at right back, and and sort of the way we talked about Zinchenko as the left back, not really playing a defensive position, but cutting into the midfield. We're actually seeing Timber do some of the same thing from the right, um, hmm. which th- there was a possibility. I think we talked a little bit about this that Kieran Tierney might get sold. Right now, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. There don't seem to be any offers floating around out there. Uh, no names have come up. He's been training. He's been hmm. playing. And yeah, so he wonder, played this weekend. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I wonder if you could, if you, whereas before we'd have, you know, Ben White playing sort of a, a defense, a more traditionally defensive right back role, and Zinchenko go, pushing forward into the midfield from the left. You could almost theoretically reverse that by having a Tierney. Or even Tomiyasu playing on either back, you know, can play either back, actually can play the entire back line, but have, you know, a a Tierney play that more traditional defensive on the left side and then bring in Timber to, to cut in and sort of act as another midfielder. So you can flip the roster around. Also, Hmm. Timber, Tomiyasu, Ben White, Gabriel, Saliba can all play center back. That's a lot of center backs, which is good because we saw, you know, and, and we still got Rob Holding. Um, you know, that, that that's the kind of depth we're talking about. And it gives you also flexibility in your roster, in your lineup. Right. Um, and flexibility is definitely what we need at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what Arteta wants. He wants a guy. Yep. It, it's interesting. Uh, in the last couple of years and eating in, into last season, 
was very much about players with defined roles and defined skill sets. I need someone who does X. And so he can plug them into the system and say, okay, you, this is my system. This is how it works. And you will do this. And they're doing it very well. But as we saw, of course, when one of those players goes out, you, mm-hmm. you know, you saw it was a little, it wasn't quite as effective. Um, so we've got, um, yeah, we talked about Havertz. We've talked about Timber. Um, one big then, one left. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> the biggest, I mean, the biggest one, we, we've been talking about him, frankly, since January is Declan Rice. Uh, yeah. England in actually Irish born actually played a couple of games for Ireland and switched to the English national team. So he's actually Irish, but it's fine. He's an Arsenal man now. Uh, Declan Rice <laughs> from West Ham for whom we paid a club record transfer fee, 105 million pounds, uh, which is, uh, which is a, a record for Arsenal is also a record for a British born player, which on some hmm. level, that's a lot of money. And all that money, by the way, goes, <laughs> that money goes directly to West Ham. His previous club, right? Not to him. He, yeah. We are also we re- ripped up his contract and gave him a brand new deal. Where we're paying him a lot more than West Ham did. We also have a lot more money right. than West Ham does. So, um, you know, that's a massive one. Um, he is a midfielder. He's generally um, he's much more considered much more of a defensive midfielder. Uh, the if we're thinking in terms of roles and replacements, he's maybe more of a Thomas Party re- replacement. However. Um, there's a couple of possibility, you know, things to think about there. One party is party's role is, is difficult. It took him a while when he came onto the team to really adapt to what he was, what Arteta needed him to do. Um, we sort of saw some of the other players they've tried out in that position. El Nini, Jorginho, you have either El Nini or Jorginho who have to do something completely different because they can't do what party does. Or you, or we've talked about, uh, Sambi Lakonga who can't do what party does partly because of age, partly, you know, maybe his skill set. Rice might be able to replicate that, but but somewhat differently. There, there are some intricacies to the way he plays. He's a very good defensive midfielder. I mean, he drove West Ham forward, preserved them, you know, saved them from getting relegated, and they were in the Europa Conference League and they won it. Uh, so it's West Ham's it's first trophy for West Ham in like fifty something years. Uh, they don't they don't win a lot of, of silverware wow. there, yeah. so it's a it's a major moment for them. Um, but yeah, we 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 pushed the boat out, so to speak, uh, to get him, and we got him, and uh, it's exciting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, push the boat out. Explain that uh, one to me. <laughs> it just, it just it. it I, I don't even know if that's an Englishism or just a, a general language, <laughs> but just like we we did everything. We just we said let's oh, go okay. Get him. Let's get just go and get him. Um, <laughs> so right. yeah, we. I mean, there was a there was a story for a while that City put in a bid. But it's hard. Yeah. You don't get the impression that West. I mean, West Ham was considering it because you want a bidding war to drive up the price. But but really, it, it seemed like Arsenal was the only serious offers that were coming in, and eventually a deal was reached. Um, if for more on this, I, I I gave this to you, and I know you'll put it in the show notes. Um, James McNicholas, who writes about Arsenal for the Athletic, uh, is known in uh, the Arsenal space as Gunner Blog. Uh, also is the uh, co-host to the Arscast Extra podcast, uh, pretty much like one of the one of the big players in the Arsenal media universe, uh, did a video through his YouTube channel, about 20 minutes, where he actually explains how transfers work. And for those of you who come from an American sporting background and know about trades and free agency and the salary cap, this is completely different. And so it's a nice <laughs> sort of summary of how that process work and works and and also really have the role the players have in that, you know, in, in an American sporting league, 
really outside of a couple of instances, the players have little say. They're they're traded. So, you know, the, the the teams make deals and they trade right. them. In 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 international soccer, the players have a big role to play, and and they can some ways force certain kinds of moves uh, or you know have a say over the you know not that um you know and 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 it depends a lot on the stature of the player you know a player like Rice who was the captain at West Ham who did a lot for West Ham you know they could be sitting here looking at bids well I don't know Arsenal has this bid Manchester City's got this bid but if he comes in and says yeah but but I really want to go to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. That that's going to play a role much more so in a lot of cases than you would see in an American league. I I don't want to get right. traded to Winnipeg. Too bad. <laughs> well, I guess that goes to it being a club sport compared to a franchise model, like we've talked about before. That and also I think just the 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 sheer size of the market. I mean, there are just right. you know there are just so many options of places you can go and play. I mean, if you're yeah. Declan Rice, the the list of places you can actually go and play. Declan, Declan Rice, a guy in his prime, is not signing for Inter Miami like a certain right. uh, well-known Argentine <laughs> attacking player, um, who of course scored a goal in his debut because of course he did a game-winning goal. And actually, I saw that. Yeah, oh, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, who's who? To be fair, still an excellent player, but is also towards the tail end of his career. Rice is very mm-hmm. young; he's in his early twenties, um, so he's he's still got much of his career in front of him. He's going to be a uh, you know, he, he, this is his moment to really cash in and he, he sees, he sees promise in what Arsenal is doing. And it's a very exciting time. Now we say this, these are the big transfers. There are still some names floating out there. Uh, the big one is that Inter Milan is interested in Fuller and Balogun, the, uh, new American striker, uh, now American striker. Um, yeah. Uh, to the two, uh, the last number I heard, I think was 50 million euros. Um, We'll see how that goes. Uh, a lot of it will stem from where does he fit? Where does he think he fits with Arsenal and where Arteta's plans? And, you know, with all the strikers, all the forwards we have, as we were talking about the depth we have in that part of the field, we'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, I, I, I would like it if we kept him, but also I won't like I, I, I certainly don't feel like, oh, man, how will we score goals without him? I think we're going to be fine. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> as long as, I, you know, there, there are things you can build in to sort of protect yourself, but you know, he, he would be tough to lose, but also you, I mean, we have to, we, we paid close to 200 million for the guys we already bought this summer. We, we need to make some of that back. <laughs> um, there's a yep. few other names. There's some rumors about party. I don't think that's going to happen. We've talked about tyranny, probably not, but maybe somebody comes in late with a bid. Um, there are rumors about Arsenal pursuing a few more smaller deals for some other players to come in as younger guys or depth, sort of some of the names we've talked we like we've talked about in recent years, like a like Marquinhos or last year, a guy who will get some spot starts in cup competitions, but he's mostly there to develop, or even a even a key viewer who's gonna have to be there for a couple of a couple of weeks or a month or two before he really works himself into the lineup, which he he did somewhat nicely, I thought, in the latter half of the, in the last couple of weeks of the season. And then he's has definitely yeah. got some time in the in the the preseason as well, whose name I may have missed in our, you know, uh, uh, cup shuffle there of uh, defenders. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's all good. A lot to look forward to. Um, one more, a couple more small things that, uh, that I've been hearing about. So 
Um, we've talked about the TV rights for um, Premier League, I guess, being up starting in I don't know, 24 or 25. Sometime in the next couple of years, the TV rights are being negotiated right now. And I was hopeful that Apple would get them because I'm an Apple fan. I have all Apple devices and I am now a fan of MLS the way that they've done it. I think like with what I've seen so far, it's it's good. I, I don't have a basis for comparison. I know talking to some other like to some buddies who uh, who watch the MLS coverage are not necessarily a fan of the commentators, but I think like everything around the production design, the the graphics, the the quality of the video feed, like the the way that the games are presented in the Apple TV app, um, like all that is done very well. No blackouts to worry about, which isn't really an issue for us in the U.S. watching the English league. But um, what also what apparently sounds like the sticking point. Well, so we'd been hoping I'd been hoping at least that Apple would get that deal. Um, it's sounding like I just read the other day that it's and there'll be a link in the show notes, but um, it's sounding like that won't happen. And it seems like the major sticking point is another aspect that I'd kind of ignored because I'm an American and I generally think about America. But a, a major benefit of MLS is its global rights to MLS. Apple is the streamer for all MLS games everywhere. And there are no blackouts. Like anybody in the world can watch MLS with Apple. And they want to do the same thing with every sport that they cover, basically. Yeah. And it seems like the Premier, the Premier League may not have either seen the value in that or maybe just didn't want that, didn't want to give Apple that much power in their relationship. I'm not sure what the issue is there, but that seems to have been the sticking point. And if it doesn't happen, that seems to be what the reason would be. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and a lot of that goes to the difference between the Premier League and MLS. As far as MLS is concerned, the bulk of their audience is in the United States. Now, the idea of the global rights is great, especially as the league has become, I say, become more international. We've always had a large uh, Central American, Caribbean, especially increasingly South American presence. Um, and a lot of, a lot of Europeans, Africa. I mean, there's, there's players from all around the world. And so for people from those countries to be able to watch the, you know, those players and those teams, that's a real benefit to MLS. But if you're the Premier League, you, you don't need that reach. Like, like you know, the people around the world weren't really thinking about MLS or they're like, how do I get that? Do I want to get that? Do I want to do that? But they're already watching the Premier League. So the Premier League's got mm -hmm. deals everywhere. Unless Apple is essentially willing and able, and maybe they are, but financially willing and able to trump all of them, which is going to be, yeah. you know, multiple billions of dollars. Yeah. Unless they're willing to do that from the Premier League's perspective, we don't we don't need that extra reach. Like, it, you no, know, it, I, Apple is right. not an obscure streamer to to anyone around the world, whereas the Premier League's already on the major networks or major channels or, or satellite or, or cable services, whatever they are in countries all over the world. Um, mm hmm. You know, I I appreciate that from a technical side, the Apple the Apple presentation of MLS is really good. Uh, definitely a step up from a lot some of the local broadcasts, which were varying in quality. I understand this, <laughs> though. The the big rejection people are going to have with the commentators really is the fact that for years all you really had were your local commentators, and you're watching the local guys talk about the local team, which is fun. Now you've got a, more like the NFL, where essentially it's just a rotating cast of national voices. 
who at this point are still a little bit indistinguishable from each other. I'll be honest, I can't really tell who other outside of Taylor Twelman, who has called game for years on ESPN. So he's a he has a well known voice, who I'm very familiar with. Outside of him and one or two others, I don't really know a lot about them or know much about mm-hmm. them. So I, I can see why people sort of push back against that a little bit, um, given so much of what they're used to. I know there's a lot of complaints about the, the studio show. I mean, NBC does it. NBC does a really great job. I, NBC does an excellent job covering the Premier League, and I'm not upset that they're going to continue to cover the Premier League or as long as they continue to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, if they could replicate, like, take the NBC studio show and add it onto the game production, okay. I could be into that, but the way they're doing the MLS one, the bits I've seen of it, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me quite the same way. But that's, you know, again, mm-hmm. I, I can sort of see where some of your, your coworkers or your, your friends, I don't know, your friends, coworkers, both, um, <laughs> both, yeah, <laughs> yeah, are coming. I can sort of see where they're coming. I can see where they're coming from. Um, yeah. Having, having said that, I do want to make sure I ask. I know Arsenal was your, your gateway drug, so to speak, to the Premier League. <laughs> I, I find it, I mean, I, I, I was aware of the Premier League for years, but it wasn't until I started following Arsenal that I actually followed and understood the Premier League. Uh, do you have a team that you're you're going to grab onto and sort of go with, or are you just going to sort of... In the MLS? Yeah, just sort of sit back and just let the MLS of it all just wash over you. Yeah, so far. I mean, so the the one the one full game that I watched since subscribing was the All Star game. So it was, it was a sampler, right? It was a little bit of a bunch of teams. <laughs> um, I did tune in. I was curious to see Messi play. So on Friday night in Miami, I watched just about all of that match. I started a little bit late, but I watched just about all of it. Actually, no, it wasn't just about all of it. I started. Midway through the second half. Now that I think about it, okay. And I mean, you, you, as so, long as yeah, you were there so, when he, as long as you were there when he came on, that's yeah, all that mattered, right? So okay, so wait a second. So I thought that he had started. He did not start. He was like a no, second he, half he substitution. Came, he came on. He came on off the bench, which I mean is kind of what everybody expected for yeah. a first game. That's an unusual. I mean, you yeah. know, he's he's still recovering from his at the end of his season and sort of you know, well, right on vacation, and as opposed to the other players who, are, of course, in, in the middle of the season. So. Sure. So yeah, so I, I didn't realize that. But yeah, so yeah, he was on the entire time that I was watching. That's why I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was it was amazing. I was, I was as impressed by his play on that day as I was watching him during the World Cup. He's, he, I can see what all the hype is about. It's it's plain to see. Um, and yeah, the, the finish on that was just, oh my God, the... <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm at a loss for words still thinking about it. It's just like it's, you couldn't have plotted a better conclusion to that particular game than that. Like it was. It it's, was uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's that's he that's that's why he's he's the greatest. Um, mm-hmm. Of course he did. Uh, you know, but yeah, it's an excellent one. It's one of those I did once. I once saw Terry Henry play with. Uh, the New York Red Bulls against uh, FC Dallas. And I mean, I was an Arsenal fan. Obviously, I knew Henri. I'd seen him on TV and now watching him live. And this was an old, much he's, you know older player. You know, he's gone to MLS, not quite retirement league, but still kind of in that, definitely on that side of his career. But there are just one or two moments in the game. You sort of watch him and you just realize he's the only person in the stadium who could do that. Literally the yeah. only one. Yeah. <laughs> so that which was uh which is it is pretty cool and yeah Messi is that good and it's it oh, you yeah. know he's he's definitely still 
like he's still got a he's obviously not peak messy, but he's still got more than enough in the tank to to do really well in MLS. It'll be very curious to see oh, how sure. Miami by and large is not a very good team uh this season. It'll be interesting to see how they close out the year. Still, gosh, it would be really hard for them to make the playoffs. And then especially starting next year, um, you know, they could end up being very quickly end up being a, a very good team. But uh have you uh, yeah. gonna so you haven't quite adopted one yet? So, or just a- yeah. So, so getting back to the question that you asked, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what I've done is I've attempted to watch NYCFC the time. Like I've added, so you know, with the Apple TV app, you can add to Up Next, where it like shows you, like I, it, it's your way of marking. I want to watch this thing, and I get a notification when it's starting. It'll show me when it's on. It's also frustrating. They always give you the time that the coverage starts, not the kickoff time. <laughs> so it's like in my mind, I add an hour basically to that. That's, assume a, that's about. That's a very American start. thing. It's a very American thing. Yeah, about. but so. So yeah, I've been trying to watch NYCFC. I don't think I've actually successfully watched any matches yet, but that that is the plan is to try and watch them because why not? Like uh, I don't have I don't have anybody to talk about the other teams with anyway. Yeah. So it's you know I may, may as well. Yeah, <laughs> and um, they are a local team, so yeah. You know, I mean, they're and too. they're down most of the, they play most of their games in Yankee Stadium. Although they've announced they're going to build their new stadium on Willett Point next to the Mets ballpark, and they played a few games at okay. City Field. They'll play once or twice at Red Bull Arena in New Jersey. They're a bit, still a bit nomadic, but it, it's worth. I, I I don't think Yankee Stadium is that bad in person. It's weird on. T, it's a little weird on TV, but I think it's fine in person. Uh, definitely a smaller field, but I, it's it's a neat it's a neat thing to go see. Uh, though the team is not very good this year, so maybe next year. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so no, it's cool. So some other some other kind of general MLS. Uh, I guess questions. So, so first of all, um, when I was reading about Messi joining and, you know, how the, the massive sum that they gave him to do so, all, all that stuff, um, they were referring to him as a designated player and that this is a special MLS rule. Some people call it like the Beckham rule. Um, so what exactly is the rule? I, I get the point that it's like some way for them to avoid salary caps for a limited number of people, but that leads me to question why even have the salary cap if it's so easy to, <laughs> to get around it. Uh, but so, yeah, why don't you run through it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, the salary cap comes about because prior to MLS, the last major soccer league in the U S was the NASL, the North American soccer. And they brought in star, I mean, Pele played for the New York cosmos. I mean, all the big names of the seventies were in the U S uh, but, they paid them all way too much money. Not enough people were going to games, and the league went bankrupt by the mid eighties. Uh, so when they hmm. started MLS in the mid in nineteen ninety six, one of the one of the goals was cost containment. We are not going to we're not going to spend ourselves into oblivion the way the NASL, did, which meant they had very strict rules, a strict salary cap, all sorts of weird financial rules. 2007-ish, in the mid-2000s, 2007, uh, David Beckham is negotiating with Los Angeles, the LA Galaxy, the, to come to the U.S., but there's no way on the salary cap that LA, the Galaxy, can pay him what he's worth as a player. Forget as a player or just as David Beckham. So what they did was the designated, they created these designated player spots, and the idea is that for the purposes of the salary cap calculation, your salary is the maximum allowable, which I couldn't tell you what that, I have no idea what that number is. 
But in actuality, a club like LA Galaxy, who's one of the wealthier clubs or was at the time, can pay him whatever they want. Plus, there are a whole bunch of other add-ons. In the case of Beckham, he actually had, among other things, an option to purchase at a very reduced price a future MLS expansion team, Hmm. which, by the way, is Inter-Miami. Right. Okay. I didn't supposedly mess. Okay. I think Messi supposedly has a similar deal as well. He also is getting a cut of all of his Jersey sales, which nobody else gets. He gets a cut of the hmm. Apple contract. Hmm. Like they, there's all sorts of ways they're giving him money, um, which um, and again, because he's messy, but the idea behind the spot, the DP spots, the designated player spots is let's bring in star players that our salary cap wouldn't let us afford even though in raw dollars, some of the players, some of the teams could actually afford these guys. Um, a lot of clubs, especially early on, used them sort of the way they did, you know, Galaxy did with Beckham. They brought in European stars, sort of at the, or South American stars, but sort of at the tail end of their careers. New York City had David Villa, Frank Lampard, Andrea Pirlo, um, Kaká, the Brazilian, played for uh, Orlando. Oh, gosh, Wayne Rooney played for DC United. I mean, there's all these sorts of big name European players came to the U.S., but a lot of them, uh, Terry Henry, as we mentioned, but a lot of them sort of on the downside of their careers. They've since been modifying the DPs and looking more towards younger star players, uh, guys who can develop and then sell later. Um, but it's still a work in progress, but it adds some star power, adds it adds to the financial heft of the of the league, at least for certain teams that have those financial resources. Um, mm-hmm. You can sort of bring in bigger names than your salary cap might otherwise allow you to do. Um, and so that, you're limited to three of them per team, it sounded like? You are limited to three, but there's also something they call the young DPs, which are basically designated player spots for players, I believe, under the age of, I think, 22. The idea being that those players have an increased resale value. Yes, we're going ah. to pay you $10 million. I'm picking numbers here. Pay you $10 million to play in MLS. But because you're 22, your traje- career goes on a nice trajectory. By the time you're 24, some European team is going to plop down $15, 15 million. And, you know, now we've made out, we made out on the deal. You would never, they would never right. do that with some of the, some of these, you know, your, some of the bigger, bigger name stars who are again, coming in as sort of the end of their careers. Um, right. A lot of them, Beckham went back to Europe for a while. We mentioned Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, a couple of other guys have gone, you know, have gone, uh, Terry Henry famously went on loan back to Arsenal for a half season. Um, so there are some moments where players can go back, but they're generally rare, um, and they're the exception rather than the rule. And so the idea is sure. the MLS is going to start to bring in a few more players closer to the prime of their career um, and just continue to slowly elevate the league. Uh, the, the, the day is coming. We don't really know when it is, but the day is coming at some point. They will strongly reduce the salary cap, if not get rid of it altogether. Hmm. The other thing about this is just to throw in, MLS has some of the most ridiculous Byzantine complicated salary rules. I, 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 they have all sorts of like budgetary things. There's, there's, it's, um, there's something called TAM and GAM, their allocation money. I have no idea how it actually works. I really have no clue how any of this works. Nobody has any clue how it works. Um, and, and, and the rules seem to keep changing all the time. Um, even, even, 
even, you know, the addition of the DP rule back with, for Beckham was kind of a, how do we accommodate this guy? Well, what if we did this? Um, <laughs> right. Which for years, <laughs> the like accusation, yeah. yeah, for years, the accusation was always, what are the salary rules? Whatever LA Galaxy needs them to be. Um, yeah. Which isn't quite fair, especially now, because LA Galaxy is kind of a mess right now. But that's, again, um, you know, sort of, again, that, you know, Dave Beckham was years ago, so who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to see how it's developed o- over time. We'll be curious to see how it develops going forward. Yeah. Um, one one last thing I had noted down. I just actually saw this earlier today. So uh, you are a Yankees fan primarily in uh, Major League Baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in spite of the shirt that you happen to be wearing today. Oh yeah. Which, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, Wrigley Field is the home field of the Chicago Cubs, which I was just... my my uh, team growing up. I... But but anyway, so um, have you seen the new patches that they are wearing on their sleeves? Yes, it's. Uh... What are your thoughts on that? Because we've talked about this, how it's always like every soccer team internationally. It seems they have the sponsors all over the jerseys. That has not been in basically all of American sports, except for like NASCAR. I guess would be the big yeah. counter example, but. Uh, this is coming to Major League Baseball, I guess. Uh, they've, they've got a sponsor patch on their sleeve. What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, the, the, the Rubicon has been crossed. Uh, the NHL and the NBA have been doing it for a couple of years. The NBA mm. started, I think, pre-pandemic. The NHL officially started during the pandemic as a way to make up lost revenue, which is probably partly true. But also still, right. once they go on, they're not coming off. Um, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the strangest thing about it is that as the New York Yankees, that the sponsor they got is an insurance company that even most Yankee fans were like, who? <laughs> yeah. Star insurance. I think it is. Yeah, I, two hours. Like, Ringo. I mean, I, I don't live yeah. in New York anymore, but I've heard of these guys. So I don't know, you know, again, who knows? You would, you would almost sort of think like, if you're going to sell a spot on the Yankees Jersey. It would be, I don't know, something bigger, but I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, I, I, I mean, like, I got like, you know, I live in Houston. Um, like the Houston Dynamo, their shirt sponsor is um, MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is headquartered here in the city. They play at Shell Energy Stadium. Uh, the, Ast- the Houston Astros, their sleeve sponsor is um, Oxy or Occidental Energy Company. So, like, it's a lot of things you look and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, that makes mm-hmm. that, in Houston, that makes sense. This is where these companies are. Like, they're very, they are, they're local businesses. Um, even even like MetLife is is headquarter, you know, Metropolitan Life is a longstanding New York company that, of course, has the naming rights to, um, the replace. I, I keep wanting to call it Giant Stadium, the replacement to Giant Stadium, right? right. Um, you know, so it's yeah. yeah, yeah. You point out the juxtaposition. On the one hand, it's on it's on soccer jerseys, and I don't even think I never think about it. But there, you see them on right. baseball jerseys, and you're just like, oh no, it's so weird, it's so wrong. It, it it is something about it. It's just I don't know. It just looks cheap. Like you just think about like the Yankees jersey, which has been more or less unchanged for you could probably tell me how long decades at least. I mean, their home and away jerseys have had the same look for my whole lifetime, as far as I know. Oh, I mean, right? that's, I mean, the, the, I mean, there are slight modifications over the years. Yeah, but, but by the same large, overall yeah, idea, yeah, there are the, variations the, on a theme. The white at home, the gray on the road, that's, I. Well, and white know, with the pinstripes. It's always been the, like the same the, thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the Yankees. And you know, it's one of those, like, it, you put it on there and honestly, you ask most people, do you really notice it? Uh, you know, I, I know it's there, so I look for it, but like, I don't, you know. 
I can't say I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really like, I was watching their game earlier tonight and I didn't, um, I mean, I wasn't even really thinking about it. Mostly I was just lamenting the fact that how poorly they were playing, but, uh, <laughs> like, I can't say it, um, yeah, like it, it didn't stand out to me, um, particularly, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's one of those it's it's amazing what you get used to with just a little um you know, with just just a, a a little watching to it. Um Yeah. All right. Well, we will be shortly uh talking about uh the Ulster match a little bit before we get into uh the Manchester United and Arsenal match. But first, I want to let you guys know uh, we have a new sponsor to talk about. So uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you may have noticed sometimes a little uh, logo in the corner. It says Zencaster. Uh, Zencaster is the platform that we use for recording this show. Um, it is a really easy platform. You just uh, create an account. Uh, you can start free. Um, of course, we'll ask you to use our code if you sign up for a paid plan. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, you can start off using it free to try out, and it lets you um, see each other while you record audio for an audio-only podcast. Or like we have started doing, you can record video from both people. Uh, what is great about it is it takes all the work out of setting up a recording, saving the files, sending each other the files, syncing up the files. It'll even very easily let you do point and click, like one button editing just to remove ums and ahs and things, things like that. It's a, tries to make it as easy as possible. And and if you're technical like me, you'll appreciate what it also does, which is it's not like if you're recording a Skype call where if I were recording on my end, what I'm hearing in my headphones as Keith and I talk, there would be maybe sometimes stuttering from the internet connection or um, like blurry video might come across or things like that. It doesn't do that. It, it We hear each other live, but it's making recordings locally on each of our machines and then it uploads them when you're done recording. Um, so everything is always the highest possible quality that it could be, which, which is really nice too. And I mean, to get our video podcast out, I've been... You may know, have noticed I've been playing around a little bit with different options, but it's just configuring what you want. Just do you want split screen? What what format do you want it in? Do you want it in like widescreen or square screen? Like all those types of things. And you just click a button and then it does it like for the views where one of us is like full screen and another is picture in picture. It's automatically switching through from just being able to detect who's talking. It's, uh, it's really cool. It's, it's a good platform. So we've been using it for a while. And boy, if we got an offer for you, um, if you go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use the code gooner, you'll get 30% off your first month of any paid plan. And I want, uh, you to have the same easy experience as I do for all our podcasting and content needs. So it's time to share your story. Uh, you know, if, uh, if you want to do a soccer related podcast, uh, I'll offer. Have me on as a guest. I don't know. I don't know how Keith feels, but uh, you know, whatever you want to do, uh, we're we're there for you, and uh, you can save some along the way if you use our code again. That is Gooner G O O N E R, or we have a link in the uh, show description on YouTube or the show notes in our podcast. You can just click the link, and that'll automatically apply the code from the pricing page. So, uh, Zencaster, uh, we like it, and hopefully you will too. So the uh, the MLS All Star match. So actually, two thing, two things. One, a follow up to our previous one. We mentioned shirt sponsors, and I, and I was jersey sponsors. I was thinking about this, and I, I looked it up. Just found it to be sure. Uh, the Houston basketball team, when they the NBA first started doing shirt sponsors, which by the way was in 2017, which was a while ago. All of a sudden, um, oh boy, yeah, was was a company called Rocket Phones, 
uh, a small telecommunications company, which is particularly interesting, of course, because as you may know, the basketball Houston team Rockets, in Houston is yeah. yes, the Houston Rockets. Yeah. So um, yeah. I guess if you're going to do that, that's that's not so bad. Um, <laughs> and I, I, okay, so that was a follow up. The other thing I want to do is on some level, I guess we could break down these games, but I guess part of me looks and says they're preseason. So I guess I, I, yep. what I'm more curious about, and we can get into the particular games in a moment. I guess I'm more curious about your experience live and in person. Cause I, I, I'd say I've never seen Arsenal in person. So I'm curious yeah. now that you've won up to me on this score. I mean, what was it like? <laughs> it was so. Here's here's the direct analogy I would use. It's very, very similar to this. So I've grown up my whole life being really into movies. One of the best movies ever, one of my favorite movies is Raiders of a Lost Ark. I've seen it probably a dozen times or more throughout my life. Right? It's a great movie. I've seen it over and over again. I have always only ever seen it at home. Right. Um, the quality of my home viewing has certainly improved dramatically over my lifetime. The TV that I'm watching on at home now bears almost no resemblance to, you know, when I was a toddler watching Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time, right? But still, it's watching it at TV with the constraints inherent in that. I had the opportunity, uh, there's a little uh, indie theater in in my town, and they were doing a uh, winter spring i think it was a winter movie series i think and um they were showing just different 80s movies and admission was free you had to reserve ahead of time but admission was free you'd buy your concessions or whatever and it was just old movies and the first one that they opened with was raiders of a lost ark so i took my son who has already seen the movie two or three times at home to take to see it and, and went with my wife and as many times as I've seen it at home, and even though there are many aspects of seeing it in the theater that are worse than at home, right? People talking, <laughs> sometimes maybe you have an obstructed view. Overall, seeing and appreciating something you love surrounded by other people who are every bit as into that thing as you are, maybe even more so, is worth it 100% and makes it worthwhile. Um, and it was very much like that. Like, so the first thing I noticed is looking at the field, I was like, is that smaller than Emirates or the other like big stadiums that, that I've seen them play in? And I was talking to Christine about it and I was realizing, no, I think the most of the time when you, when you work it out, just based on the geometry of the 18 yard box and the six yard box and extrapolating it out, it seems like most of the fields try to be about a hundred yards, which is obviously what admit life, an American football stadium. That's about what it's going to be. Um, so I think it was the same. And I think that was just the first difference being in person versus on the TV where because you can see the whole thing at once without turning your head if you're so inclined and especially our, our seats were high up um I, I would i would love the next time i go to, to get nicer seats that are closer to the field um but uh just being able to see the whole thing all at once if i want to and just like follow the ball with my eyes back and forth instead of like waiting for the camera to you know usually in in a timely manner but you know to have to follow and keep up that makes it feel smaller and, and in a good way like it makes it it's it's more engaging, right? Like I'm able to pick where I'm looking regardless of where the camera is, making me the director of my experience. And that's the type of thing, honestly, it's, it's not really in our wheelhouse in this show, but like Apple Vision Pro, um, they announced that a couple months ago or 
yeah, it's just last month. It feels like a couple months ago um, at, at Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. It's this headset. It's Apple's first entry in this field. One of the demos that they gave is a few different sporting events. They had MLS soccer. They had uh, an NBA game. There, there's a few different games that they demoed to people in the press. And they're just saying, I can easily see why this would be a game changer and why, it, kind of extrapolating out, why the Premier League would be dumb, like not to pick Apple if this is the type of experience that fans are going to be able to have. They're going to want this, where like you're not courtside, you're like a little bit above, like you know the the field. But just being able to look around you at whatever you want and see it, that is a game changer, literally in this case, right? Like you're literally able to pick exactly what you're seeing, and it's it's great. Like because we we always talk about following where the ball isn't. <laughs> Right, trying to see where all the players are, like how they're moving around to to keep the ball going where they want, even when they don't have it. Um, th- it was a lot easier. I found myself doing that a lot more naturally than on TV, where you're seeing, you know, typically at most half the field at once. Um, so that was a big difference. Of course, as much as it hurts seeing a goal scored against your team, it definitely hurts a whole lot more when half the people around you are all cheering at the same time in a prolonged manner. And Arsenal did lose this match 0-2. So there were, there were a couple of moments. I think there was also one goal that ended up getting taken back because of offsides or something. I think it went in the net three times and two of them counted, if I'm remembering right. But um, but yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> that stung. Like That was surprising to me how much it was really like, okay, come on, guys. Like... <laughs> Okay, get over it already. Yeah. Knowing full well, I'd be doing the same thing if, if Arsenal had managed to actually put one over the goal line. Yeah. But so yeah, it was uh, no, it was great. Um, it was my first time being to a live sporting event in a while. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a while since I had been to anything and uh, never soccer before, let alone a team that I actually care about and have been following closely. But yeah, it was uh, it was good. There were they said there was like eighty two thousand people in attendance or something. It broke the record at MetLife for a soccer game. Um, So that, that was something. (laughs) Yeah, I, it it definitely, so just a couple of things there. One on the sides of the field, I think you're right that the, uh, so an NFL field, its dimensions are typically smaller than what you get in a premier league field. It's a little bit shorter and definitely thinner. Um, And it's one of the things they do notice when they play games in NFL state, soccer games, NFL stadium, the fields are going to be a little more narrow just because Hmm. that's sort of, I, I, some of them like, Atlanta is, was designed to do both, and so their fields probably they oh, have a little okay. more space behind the sidelines, so that when they when Atlanta United plays there, I think I think they have a little more space. Now, that's not how they designed MetLife; it's it's designed for football. I, I know there was a, they talked about this uh, during the broadcast. It's interesting. They played on natural grass. They grew it out at the the Meadowlands racetrack, which is for those people hmm. who don't know, the Meadowlands was on the other side of the parking lot, massive parking lot. Um, and they basically grew it and they put it in trays. And you could definitely clearly see on the camera, like the, the fact that like the almost, it looked like a, like a, like graph paper, you know, the, the, you can see the yeah. lines between different. I could see it a little paper. bit from where I was sitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, it, and the sense was, it wasn't great. I mean, they it, typically MetLife is, is field turf is it's artificial because you have hmm. two NFL teams that play there in New York in the fall and winter plus concerts and everything. It's a busy stadium. They can't have natural grass. They tried like 20, years, 20, 30 years, 20, 25 years ago to have natural grass. And it was a disaster. It dies. And they, they just, there's a constant churn of events. And so they never got to, um, you know, they, they just could, it just didn't work. Uh, so, hmm. 
but in terms of the size of the field, yeah. I think I think it, you, you I think you might be it might be right. I think actually it is actually a little bit smaller than you would get on a typical Premier League stadium. Now, I mean, it depends. Like when Arsenal played at Highbury, Highbury was small. It was built in like 1912. I mean, it was like smaller. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arsenal's going to play Luton in I there uh, I think it's Kenilworth Road. Their their tiny little old stadium. It's it's not going to be a big field. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, in a sense, we've talked about this. There's a range that fields are allowed to be when it fit within FIFA regulations. Um, but I, yeah. I bet you're right. I bet it is smaller. Um, in terms of camera views, it's the one thing I love about being in person at games. And frankly, is the one thing I would actually, the one option I would want when watching a, a sport broadcast is rather than have the camera, like you said, that follows the ball, I want one that mimics being in a seat. Give me a fixed location. I actually don't yeah. mind. I, I'm especially for soccer. I actually like being behind the goal. I love watching that perspective. <laughs> um, uh, give me a fixed perspective with the wide angle so I can see the whole field and then just let it. And the NFL, the NFL will release this footage later called the All 22. The idea is you can see all 22 players on the field, but it's mostly what the right. coaches watch. You know, when they, when they talk about watching tape, that's what they're watching to judge formations right. and you know okay what patterns and all of that so they're seeing something different than what we would see typically although you can you can actually uh we, their nfl has their subscription service you can buy that um i'm not i don't hmm. care that much to buy to pay for <laughs> that but um into watching a game i would i that's the one i would want that mimics that experience of being in a fixed location and then being able to watch the movement as opposed to the typical camera mm-hmm. which follows the ball around the field and with i right I, um but yeah, that that collective experience, right, of being around all of those people, especially when it, I mean, as someone who has been he's been going to games for a while, and especially someone who's been a visiting fan, one of my favorite sounds is the sound is the silence of the home team when you're beating them. <laughs> Just that it's it is a fascinating thing. Like I'll be at games against you know I, I care about my team. Who are we playing? A team I literally only care about because they happen to be playing us today. But like, mm. you know, when you see them go excited for their goals, you get angry. And then when you <laughs> score against them, you see them yep. quiet. You're like, yeah, eat it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know who these people are. I don't know anything about <laughs> them. But in that moment, it's a fascinating thing that at that moment, it just now, of course, they're United fans. So screw them. But um, yeah. I kid, United <laughs> fans aren't the worst people. Um, but in a, yeah, and, and it looking on the it was a bit hard to tell on the, the broadcast because, um, of course, everyone who has red red jerseys said that yeah. uh, it's hard. It, it wasn't like you could see separate sections, but of course, every time they did a close up shot, there's fans they're intermingled throughout the stadium. So it's a yes, very there's yeah. yes, there were no separate sections. That was something that uh, my friend Mike, who's been on the show once before, had asked me about going into the match. Now there there weren't separate sections. They wouldn't. Have, um, they wouldn't have. There, there's no way you could do that in, unless the yeah. teams were in charge of the tickets, which would be a disaster. Right. Right. There's no way you could do that. <laughs> so it, 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 this was it, right. it totally makes sense. It's fine. And as we talked about, like, I know, you, you know, you have we do our sort of pre-production thing and then you had your full sheet of like notes and things you saw from this game and the MLS game. I mean, part of the big thing is it's preseason. Like yeah. you saw, like you, like you saw United swapped out their entire team at the half. Right. All 11 players, because when they came in, their manager and, was and 10 Arteta out of 11. But yeah, way. yeah. And Arteta yeah. has the same thing. They come in with a plan. It doesn't matter how the game is going. Who cares? I have a plan. I'm going to bring in certain guys at certain times. 
because I want to see us do different things. I want to see what we right. look like in these circumstances. The goal isn't yeah. to win in a preseason right. game. Yeah, right. so um, of course I was saying yeah. that during the MLS. So the the local Arsenal group had a small watch party, and one of the guys in our group uh, definitely was uh, had put money on the Arsenal MLS All Star game, <laughs> which. Uh, <laughs> Which I jo- which I joked to say when you so when you put the bet down, did they just auto dial the gambler helpline for you? Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, in, in a sense, like picking preseason games, uh, you know, the, the, the results is so the result is so secondary. I mean, right. it, it never feels good to lose to United, but also like <laughs> if we beat them in mid September, who cares? <laughs> you know, well, it's, right. So, so getting back to the spectatorship uh, in, in in the stadium. So, so there weren't separate sections. Anecdotally, I don't know. They're, 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 both teams are definitely well represented. I feel like I saw a lot more Arsenal fans overall, though. I feel like I would probably put it at maybe like sixty forty or something like that, where it was a noticeable, like it was it was noticeably more. And and, and you know, my my wife was there with me and said pretty much the same thing. Um, it was hilarious though, just like seeing <laughs> when, when we were driving in. So all three of us were wearing like our Reed and I, my son and I were wearing Arsenal jerseys and my wife was wearing an Arsenal t-shirt and driving in. There is these kids like next to the lane where we're trying to find a parking spot and they're like cheering like for every car that goes by. And then they saw us and started booing. They're, they're all wearing Manchester United jerseys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, all fun. it was like the enthusiasm of little kids. Like yep. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the parking that that's one thing you don't have to deal with when you watch at home. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, and getting Giants, out of that and, parking lot <laughs> and the Meadowlands. So uh, yeah, I've been, the, when I go to the Meadowlands, I've been a couple of times to see the giants and we go with one of my, one of my dad's friends. Um, and he tailgates, so he shows up with. I mean, he's yeah. he's, he's had season tickets since like the mid '80s, so he's got his routine wow. down pat. He shows up with a grill. We grill before the yep. game. We eat a bunch of food. And of course, you go in. Now you don't have to buy anything. And, you know, right. concessions are obviously not cheap, so you don't have to. We've already eaten no. and 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 drank beer and soda and water and all that for hours. So you go watch the game. And when the game's over, he we come back out. He pulls out the grill and we start grilling for another hour. Right. So by the Wait time the we're done, lot's empty parking out. lot's empty yeah. out. Now I'm sure you didn't yeah. do that. I'm sure you, uh, you know. No, we had to get home. <laughs> yeah. And you know, well, you know what? Honestly, if you had waited and done the tailgating, you probably would have gotten out just as quickly. But uh, probably. Well, it, it was just very frustrating. I mean, I've been to games before. I've driven to games before. I've never had such a poorly managed traffic situation getting out of a stadium as as at that match. I've never been to MetLife before, and I've heard from other people that yeah, maybe that is just the way that it is there. There's there's nobody like guiding traffic, and they're, they're like when we we're trying to pull out of our spot. Yeah. It did not move. We were sitting yeah. like 10 minutes. It did not move. We had to cut across where cars had pulled out and get into a yeah. different lane. And then it was that lane was moving and we got out. But yeah, it yeah, was, I mean, it was I, awful. Yeah. I mean, I, the last few summers I've been to like a whole bunch of like baseball games and a lot of parking garages, really. But I mean, there's there's no parking lot attendance. The Giants don't have parking lot attendance. Maybe the Jets do. I don't know the Jets do, but probably okay. not. You don't actually see a lot of those like people directing traffic. A lot of it is very sort of ad hoc. And just because there's just so many cars going out of one or yeah. two entrances, um, yeah. public, as I understand the public transport to MetLife is not great, which just being New York city or the New York city area is obviously, a, a, a like, you know, you go to a Yankee game, most guys, people are showing up on, on the subway or on, on Metro North right. as opposed to driving. That's so the what I do. Yeah. Isn't as bad there. 
Uh, but it's part of it's just you're you're in New York and there's just so many people. I mean, it's eight yeah. eight thousand people in this game. I mean, how many cars? Do you yeah, yeah, in? definitely. Um, yep. But yeah, I, you know, in terms of fans, I mean, Manchester United has a huge global fan base. They have a huge American fan base. Um, but uh, I, I guess I'm a little surprised. It would have been even sixty. I would have guessed very close to fifty fifty. But I don't know. I mean, you know, our Arsenal uh, Arsenal fans turn out. I mean, you have two massive fan bases both in in the U.S. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, it I, wasn't, it wasn't overwhelming, but I was definitely noticing more, but who knows? It could have just been that maybe because I'd used an arsenal code when I was buying my ticket, maybe I did like prefer a section yeah, that had more, I don't know, but. Yeah. Oh, that's um, true. I didn't, I didn't realize there was a, there was anything like that. Yeah. That might've, that might've done a little yeah, bit of self I don't know that it ended up mattering because I did, I did actually pick my seats though. So okay. I, I don't know. That's, uh, it's tough to say, but. Uh. I, so I, yeah, so I, I did not see arsenal. Um, I know some folks who were. They didn't go to the game, but they were in New York in the area for some of like the ancillary, you know, events put on by fan groups of the club. A couple of them are in LA for the Barcelona game tomorrow as well. Um, hmm. but, uh, but I, I, my live experience, uh, in mid June, I was in Las Vegas to see USA Mexico for the CONCACAF Nations League. I saw the debut of Flo Balligan for, uh, and, yeah. and, and Arsenal keeper Matt Turner, uh, when the U.S. shut out oh, Mexico. Okay. Nice. Um, let me just say, first off, I have never seen so much Modelo beer. <laughs> like you know, like you walk by a stadium. When, I mean, I, I, I mean, it was a, it's the beer of choice for me. I mean, yes, they sponsor, help sponsor Concacaf, but also it's clearly the beer of choice for Mexican fans because you walk by like those, those beer like fridges they have for sporting events, and I go to one of sporting events, and there's usually like a general mix of whatever big brand is mm-hmm. is spot, you know, is the sponsor there. And here I am walking around the stadium in Las Vegas, and it's Modelo. Just whole, <laughs> like, like if there's uh, five of them back there, it's Modelo, 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 course. Modelo, Modelo, Modelo. Right. Uh, it, it's just like, it's just incredible. Um, huh. Also, the fan, it was 70% Mexican fans. Um, I huh. had a few of them uh, saying and singing things to me as I walked in. They were in Spanish words that we did not learn in class uh, back in high school, so I don't know what they were saying, <laughs> which is probably for the best. Uh, but then the U.S. won three nils, so you know uh, it was it was yeah. a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun um, seeing the U.S. national team a couple of times. Still, never seen Arsenal. I guess my hope is one day they get a, a friendly against like Real or something where they'll play down here in Houston. Um, United's playing Real Madrid in Houston. At some point, yes, that already happened. Uh, yeah, playing, through yeah. this whole experience with this match, I ended up on Manchester United's email list. I, I will be unsubscribing shortly, <laughs> but um, but yeah, they they are playing Real Madrid in in Houston, I think, mm-hmm. or something like. I, I think it is in yeah. Houston, actually, in so, our yeah. NRG Stadium, uh, another NFL stadium, uh, indoors though, because yeah. you can't do outdoors too much outdoor stuff in Houston this time of year. Because oh, sure, it's ungodly hot. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing I do want to ask you real about: so you saw them in person. What do you think of the the second kits? Yeah, so I, I first saw them during the All Star game. Well, during the skills competition, and then the All Star game. Um, seeing it in person didn't change my opinion from seeing it on the screen, which is basically it's fine for them. Like I've kind of grown accustomed to it. I I think. I wouldn't wear it. It's not a jersey that I would buy for myself. It's way too loud and obnoxious. It is like a highlighter. Um, I would not wear it, but I don't mind it on them. I think they look good in it. I think it's fine for them. Um, 
Yeah, I think I probably overall like it more in the black. I just wasn't a big fan of the gold lettering on the the black mm-hmm. jerseys. Um, but that was their third kit. What was the pink was their second kit? No, the pink last was season, the third. Right? I mean, was it? second. It third. was okay. It, it te- technically, yeah. the black was the second. The pink was the third. Um, okay. I think in terms of frequency of wearing it, I think that's how it worked out as well. I mean, there's the home kit and there's the change, and then they kind of multiple changes. They'll call them second and third, but a lot of it depends yeah. on how the season goes as to what makes sense to wear. I mean, a lot of times mm-hmm. teams will sort of get superstitious about certain shirts. I mean, that was my objection last year to the pink kit. I, it looked great, but the problem was it meant it was light red. And the whole reason you have a change kit is so that you're not wearing the same color. Right. If, the reason you're changing is because the other team wears red. You can't wear light red. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it looked great, especially up. That was one that the pink one I thought looked a lot better up close. I think you're right. The The yellow one looked. I said this a lot. It looks better on the players, though, as someone pointed it out. I mean, the players are all like fit athletes in their 20s like exactly everything looks good on everything looks better on them uh, than it does on (laughs) any of us uh yeah yep but uh it does look a little bit better on the players but yeah overall i'm not a i'm not a huge fan on the other hand if they're wearing it if someone said if they're wearing it and we beat united and old trafford to win the premier league they're the greatest things i've ever seen so yeah (laughs) yeah i mean so Last season, if I had liked it, I probably would have gotten a Ramsdale jersey and not Martinelli just because I play keeper and, and Ramsdale's a great keeper and I'm a fan of his. Um, but I just really didn't like the yellow keeper kit last season. So this season, when their home kit was announced, they announced the keeper kit in black and I thought it looked nice and I was, I was planning on getting it. And then during the MLS match and, and in person, I saw Ramsdale wearing the blue keeper kit, which I like even more. Mm. And it's actually for sale on their site. Like I didn't mind the light green alternate keeper kit from last season was nice and I would have probably gotten that, but it just wasn't for sale. As far as I could tell, like I never saw it for sale anywhere. Um, but the blue and black both are. Now, of course, the blue is out of stock. For, like everything above a medium is yeah. out of stock. So, and I am hoping it comes back in because I don't see it being sold anywhere outside of Arsenal Direct, at least not yet. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I ke- keeper kits and some of the changes are going to be a little bit harder to find outside of the clubs themselves, maybe directly from Adidas. Um that's that's a good thought. I, that's one place in, I can try. In, yeah. Yeah, boy, in retrospect, part of me, part of me is just going. Now that I'm saying this, I'm going to go look right after we're done recording here, see if they have any leftovers of the yellow kit with with Turner, because I love Arsenal in yellow, and have Matt Turner, the starter starter for the my national team, and the cl- I just you know, yeah, I think they were out of they were out of my size when it was available last year, and was oh, okay. probably for the best, but also. I kind of want it, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. The, the the home one is nice, although they had. Did you hear about that weird story they had about um, how they had to stop selling it for a while? No, I didn't. What happened? So the uh, the, the 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 kit, the home kit, the white sleeves with the gold trim and everything, is designed to be a tribute to the Invincibles. Uh, right. Twenty twenty years ago, the Arsenal team didn't lose a single game. Our our Premier League trophy is gold where no one else's is, so ha. Um, the whole thing was meant to be a tribute. One of the things they did was on the seam, I think it was the seam like on the side, they actually wrote in there uh, the the game results, so a list of W's and D's, wins and draws, oh, in, or, in order it happened, and you know, it was supposed to do the whole, 
the, basically just a repeating pattern. They just, you know, all 38 yeah. and then we keep going. Apparently they, they skipped like six games. And oh someone no. Noticed, someone noticed they skipped. <laughs> so they had to pull those, they had to pull them and now they're reproducing, oh. the one, they're reproducing the ones they sell with the correct uh, actual, the correct oh. W's and L's on it. So W's and D's. Are, oh, there man. are no L's. There were no L's that year. Uh, right. Yeah. So right. they had to do that. So, um, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, this, I, I'd say it, it's worth checking out. I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of, I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of the, of the yellow of the away, but, uh, they do have Arsenal does this anytime they release a kit, they have like a video that goes along with it. The one they did for the, uh, uh, for the yellow one is is kind of neat um sometimes during the darker years like when they were finishing in eighth back-to-back years there were more people who were saying things like arsenal's really a lifestyle brand that occasionally plays football because the shirts were always <laughs> great even if the team was not so much yeah um, that's funny but uh, it was interesting at the stadium seeing what everybody was wearing i mean mm-hmm. i saw one person wearing an arteta jersey mm-hmm. <laughs> um it seemed like a bunch of people just had their own names on the backs of jerseys which yeah. i find distasteful that's just kind of weird to me <laughs> I, yeah, wouldn't I, do I, that. <laughs> yeah i'm not a big fan i agree i'm not a big fan i mean for some people you know like they're um they're, some people that's you know that uh, They'll sell my favorite player, but I'll never leave the club. So I get the idea <laughs> yeah. that you would yeah. that you would keep that. Actually, it's funny. One of the guys in the group, his last name is uh, Chambers, and so Arsenal had a player until recently, Callum Chambers, and so he bought a. Cha- it wasn't very good, but sure. you know he had a Callum Chambers shirt because he's like, look, it's my name on the yeah, shirt. Yeah, that, that I approve of. Yeah, yeah, that was that was. I mean, <laughs> Callum Chambers isn't the guy you would normally get a shirt for. No, but no, but that, it was his name. Good. So I mean, yeah. you know, it totally makes yeah, sense. I, that that you know. Um, yeah, but uh, so anecdotally, I think probably I saw the most current season jerseys, actually, mm-hmm. um, which is probably just a bunch of people who never owned an Arsenal jersey before and wanted to get one like going to this match. And probably just that's that's what's for sale now. And that's what they were able to get. Of yeah, course, I mean, who knows? Pro- maybe, yeah. maybe it wasn't I mean, as easy as I thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably also just because like, you know, it, because they're going to the game here, they want to have the one for the game. You know, I'm here. This is the game. Yeah. This is what, you know, like and, and a lot of people will buy I mean, there are people who buy new shirts every year. I saw they were. You know, it was an article sort of looking at uh, uh, people's reactions to the new kit. And, of course, they're asking some Arsenal fans. And one guy was like, yeah, I don't really like it. But the guy points out, but like, but you're wearing it. Like right now, as I'm talking to And he's like, well, yeah, I bought it. Because like they just obsessively buy the shirt every all the shirts every year. I, I, yeah. Um, I have I have one. I have one in each color, red, blue and yellow. And uh OK. You know, I, I mean, I have a collection yeah, no, of jerseys I, from various other sports, too. So that's not, you know, but like, to me, sure. that I mean, but also some people, I mean, as we said, they're just really nice t-shirts. I mean, you could easily just buy, I, I actually have bought a, a Houston Dynamo shirt that I don't treat like a jersey. I just wear as a t-shirt. Um, it's really mm-hmm. nice. It's got a nice like, fabric, you know, it's yeah. very light. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, and I, I can see myself buying at least one jersey a season. If assuming that it's one I like, if there's ever a season where I really just didn't like any of them, I'm not going to feel compelled to buy one I don't like, like that guy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, no, you know, I saw, I saw a De Bruyne jersey and a Holland jersey. There, there's at least two city fans there wearing their city jerseys. Oh, yeah. Um, the the pink Arsenal jersey from last season did seem to be most popular with the ladies. I saw some girls and women wearing those. I only saw one or two of the black and gold, which is interesting because that was like the one jersey I'd seen before this experience out 
in public. Someone else was wearing it when I was uh, in in Orlando this mm. spring. So that's eh, that's interesting. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a good time. I hope that they make this a regular thing. I'd love to see them every year when when they come to town. If if uh, if they're listening, <laughs> do it, uh, yeah, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, you can join me in- next time. I mean, right now they're in L.A. They're going to play in SoFi Stadium, which is also owned by Stan Kroenke. So, um, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, they won't. They w- probably won't be the MLS All Star uh, opponent because that's actually kind of an unusual thing. Um, uh, you know, because uh, who knows what MLS is doing with their All Star game and whatnot going forward? But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I, I'd love them to come to Houston. Um, you know, they're more likely to go to New York than Houston for all the reasons you would expect commercially. Um, right. Houston, we, we tend to get a, We get a big one of these big international games this summer, in the summer. It always seems to involve one of the two Spanish teams, which makes sense. Uh, they, they're the bigger draws around here. I think one year, I think the big one a couple of years ago was like Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, which, you know, packed the house. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure United yeah, cool. and I'm sure United and, and Real is going to be a huge crowd. Uh, the Spanish ones draw a lot. I, and they do just fine with the English ones, but for obvious reasons. You know, Arsenal's going to go New York, L.A. Yeah, they were out in Colorado. They they when they played the MLS All Star Game, I guess I'd say six or seven, maybe eight years ago, they actually played. Uh, I think they were in Colorado, and Stan Kroenke also owns Colorado Rapids. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's it is kind right. of interesting how that uh, how those decisions get made. Um, they used to go a lot more to Asia, uh, definitely more to the U.S. now because of the size of the U.S. market. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, Although of course we have a we have a whole season ahead of us uh, before we think oh, about yeah. next summer we have we have trophies <laughs> to win. Oh yeah. So speaking of trophies, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about MLS before we sign off. So hopefully these are quick things to discuss. So where is the MLS season right now? So I know they're playing the League's Cup. What is the League's Cup? What? remains after the league's cup like where is mls in their season right now uh mls is about i think want to say about two-thirds of the way through uh new york city has 10 games left and they play 34 so they're about two-thirds of the way through the season a little more um the league's cup is a brand new thing well sort of brand new a couple years ago they started the league's cup uh, as a way to increase uh continental competition but specifically between MLS and Liga MX, so the Mexican League. Because let's be honest, in CONCACAF, there's really only two countries that are actually very good, and that's the US and Mexico. There's only two leagues with any actual depth, and that's MLS and Liga MX. That's, that's you know, all due respect to Deportiva Saprissa and Comunicaciones and all, and all these, you know, good clubs from Central America and the Caribbean. They, they just can't match the depth of, of MLS and, and Liga MX. So the two leagues have been doing a lot of things to draw themselves closer. They put together a competition called the Campeones Cup, where the winner of MLS Cup faces the, the champion of the Mexican League, and they play a one-off game for a trophy. Um, so like a su- essentially like a Super Cup. Mm-hmm. They started the League's Cup as a sort of a, a almost a pseudo... Um, pseudo Europa League. So you have the CONCACAF mm-hmm. Champions League where you have four teams from MLS and four teams from Mexico plus a bunch of reps from other North American countries and they play a, a Champions League. What MLS and Liga MX did is they set up the League's Cup where M- Liga MX sent like their best eight teams. MLS was like, all right, we're going to take the eight teams 
that did the next best eight teams that didn't make the Champions League and put them in. And for okay. and for a couple of years, they did sort of this like four round knockoff knockout competition. Um, and then they lost the year to COVID. What they've decided to do brand new this year is everyone in MLS, everyone in Liga MX, they've thrown them together, and they're doing they're calling it a World Cup style tournament, which is a fancy huh. way of saying group stage knockout right. tournament. They're doing which three, is actually yeah. European style. That's how Europa and well, Champions League go to. Well, I mean, that's how that's how tournaments work. It's not European. Yeah. It's not American. It's, a, it's just how those tournaments work. But they say World Cup because okay. that's for an American audience. How like the World right. Cup? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So, so the they're they're groups of three. Everybody plays two games. Uh, the what's interesting here is all draws will have a penalty shootout, and the winner gets an extra right. point. So at Houston, actually, uh, last week played Orlando in their first group game. They tied 1-1, but Orlando won the shootout. So uh, Orlando got two points and Houston got one. Uh, I was just looking. I had to turn it off for internet speed. But uh, last I saw, uh, Santos had tied Houston 2-2 late in the second half. I'm now trying to pull up ESPN to see uh, what actually actually happened. I disappear. Where's it's okay. I'm only following this team. You don't have to tell me what (laughs) happened or anything. Sorry. I'm just going to whine about this for a second. Um, (laughs) uh, they tie, they tie two, two, but, uh, Houston won on penalties. So Houston's now got three points. Uh, Santos and Orlando will play. Um, I think that means Houston's probably out. All things considered. Anyway, three teams, three teams in the group. Uh, the winner, winner, winners of each group play a giant knockout tournament, and the winner gets a trophy, basically. Okay. Um, and so basically, yeah, the MLS has just stopped its season. Uh, they are right. in, in mid July. In mid July, they played like one or two games after the All Star break, and now they're into League's Cup. And um, and even then, like the, the ML, like Major League Baseball, the All Star game is a huge deal. Everybody stops a couple of days before; they start a couple of days later. MLS is does it doesn't feel quite the same kind of thing. Um, the yeah. All Star game moves around, the schedule changes all the time. Um, but yeah, we're about two thirds of the way through the season. They stopped due to this big tournament, Liga MX. Um, New York City lost okay. two nights ago. Yeah, Sunday night they lost their first game to Atlas, a Mexican team, and they're going to play Toronto tomorrow. I think. Um, hmm. So yeah, uh, we'll see. I don't. I don't actually have high hopes for for either of yeah. them. So okay, that is this. And then what I also want to ask you about. So I really enjoyed. I watched the skills challenge. And for anyone who wasn't aware of this, it was it was a fun thing. It was the day before the All Star game. It had a bunch of mini games, like you would see for like in a FIFA game or something like you'd see in a video game, like the little skills challenges, like shooting it in the corners of the goal and like passing it into a huge ski ball ramp <laughs> without it touching the ground. Um, things like that. It was, it was fun to watch. It was, it was cool. And, you know, so Arsenal was competing against the all-stars with 
uh, with really their like C team, like Flo Balogun and like a bunch of people who we don't necessarily see playing in Arsenal games on a regular basis. Uh, we're, we're competing in this and some who were later, like, some of their new, uh, acquisitions. Kai Havertz was competing. Um, I think Marquinhos was there, even though he's, he doesn't play often, but he, he's been on the team. I think Rob Holding was there. So there, there's some familiar faces, but a bunch of older ones, uh, or a bunch of newer ones. I mean, um, who were just kind of, <laughs> having fun playing playing games um what i wanted to ask about though so my favorite event that they had at this whole thing was called goalie wars did you watch the skills challenge yeah actually i did i i wasn't planning on it and then i was flipping on apple for some other reason and it was on there and i was like sure what the heck let's watch it's arsenal I'll watch yeah. it a little bit um, yeah i mean the skills competition things are always goofy the ski ball one i forget what they called it um they that called it pretty, the touch challenge. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a neat one. It was fun. Um, I think part of the reason I'm, I'd be curious to really get into like the thought process who got picked, especially from Arsenal side. Right. The, the guys, the, some of the guys they picked, like uh, Jorginho did a lot of it. He's he's an incredibly skilled player. I mean, they all are obviously. Yeah. Marquinhos yeah. I mean, they, is incre- showed some incredible skill. Um, apparently, they said Ramsdale. They, the keep the goalie wars was only American teams in play it was only mls and i actually i think the guy who won it was actually usl which is the second division well um, so that that was actually a question that i was leading yeah. into is they were calling both players mls pro next oh, players okay. yeah, yeah, that's and i didn't know what that is and was hoping you could tell me <laughs> it's basically like their youth what we in england they call them the academy team it, it not okay. getting too far into the intricacies of how mls teams are structured yeah it's basically like a a lower division like a developmental right level of play so yeah, so exactly the two the well four it was four, it was a little mini tournament like yeah. the four keepers that were competing in that were all MLS pro next and yeah it was funny they showed Ramsdale like watching them and the commentators and I agreed with them they were saying like yeah Ramsdale looks like he wants to be doing that and I was oh like, he looks yeah, like he was I want to be doing that that I looks mean, really fun I mean this this whole the whole all star game concept is very foreign to Europeans and it's amazing yeah. how many of them come and it, like if you sort of explain it as a concept and everyone's kind of like. That's kind of dumb. And then you watch it, even though, frankly, the game isn't very good, but they like they watch it. And a lot of the players are like, this is so cool. Why yeah. don't we do this? <laughs> you know, yeah. it, you well, know, it's that was fun. something that it occurred to me. So, you know, the, the, the game ended up a blowout. Arsenal got five goals. MLS was mm-hmm. shut out. Right. Um, yeah. But it's like you ultimately feel like that's kind of the expected outcome. Like we were talking about in the World Cup where it's like these teams come together for this one event and they've never played with each other before. They don't form a cohesive unit. And that's where, you know, if they ever get like a meaningful club World Cup, that might be really fun to watch with like really good teams that really know each other playing against each other. Like I, I'm so it's not entirely surprising that a cohesive team like Arsenal that know each other would blow out an all-star game. Like even if an all-star team, I mean, even if all their players, let's say were as good, which it's MLS. And you know, I, I tend to think they're probably not, but even if their players were every bit as good, Arsenal still probably has an advantage. I would love to see, could you imagine a premier league, all-star team versus the MLS all-star team. That would be very interesting. Like you clearly would have some individual players who are much better, but you wonder because of cohesion issues, it would be more of an even match between them. Probably. Um, I guess it depends on who's coaching. No, I think, I think what you'd want to know. Well, so a couple of thoughts on that one, actually MLS has won those games. They've done this for years where they'll play uh, a, usually a European team. Uh, They've won a few of those games. 
you know, some of it stems from the fact that not only is Arsenal obviously very good, the current iteration of Arsenal is very good. They had a couple of games under their belt already. They already played a couple of preseason games back in Europe before coming to the U.S. And you sort of saw this a little bit in the United game, too. Mikel Arteta doesn't like to lose. <laughs> but, and, and that's part of the environment he wants to create there. Wants to, you know, that like we don't do exhibitions. And, and I think this is a comment from uh, Ten Hag, the, the United manager. We don't play friendlies. Which is a little bit of tough right. guy, but also as a part of it, like I don't, I don't want the players to think they can take it easy. I want them to come out with a certain intensity, right? And they, they sure. also had some intensity that you wouldn't necessarily see from players just coming off summer break. I mean, again, Arteta obviously took this somewhat seriously, at least in terms of what he expected from his players. If this is your first game of the preseason, there are plenty of managers who look at the club and go, "Look, I'm just here to rotate some guys and." Make sure a couple of stars go in so the crowd can see them, but mostly just rotate guys so I can see some things or give everyone a run out so that they feel, you know, they get some, get some jogging in, you know, they get some running in, get some playing in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're still building their cohesion too. Arsenal's still very cohesive because it's still largely the same roster as last year. So like, especially early on, they were very cohesive because it's a lot of guys who have played together as the game right. went on. As it got deeper into the game, as the players got more and more shuffled around, you saw they sort of lost that cohesion, which isn't surprising. Yeah. Also, that was yeah. three nothing, four nothing. Who cares? Um, right. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, even so. that you start to lose even that intensity. Um, yeah. Is that? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the MLS All Stars had. Like, I think Wayne Rooney was their manager. He commented they had like two practices. I mean, which yeah, exactly isn't a lot. Yeah, really isn't. And one of them apparently they like it, it wasn't even really a practice like. They went out, they were in DC. They went out to the mall and like did basically a public. He's like, we, we're not even on a field. We're out, we're in like, uh, you know, a half size thing on the mall. Like we can do some, like some small drills, but like we can't, you can't do it. Right. Um, right. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, in yeah. some ways it's unfair, but also remember the MLS, as we said, they're in the middle of their season. All these Arsenal guys are, you know, they've been back for a week, two weeks, right. sort of. Just getting the body back, getting into the rhythm. And, and you know, that's a, it's a hard thing to switch off and switch back on. That's the whole point of training camp in preseason is that ramp up so that when the season begins, you know, like a warm-up to an exercise, you don't just go in and you don't just, you know, walk outside and start sprinting down the sidewalk. You you jog, right. you get yourself warmed up, you loosen up. Same thing over time as you build for this, as you build for the season. Yeah. Um, one last question. I think it's probably a yes or no. Um, I thought it was really awesome. They started announcing when there was maybe like 15 minutes left of the United match that due to the rules of this competition, there will be a penalty shootout after the match, regardless of the score at the end. And I thought that was a really cool idea. It was fun to see. Um, of course, Arsenal didn't win that either. <laughs> but it, it was it was a fun idea. It was, it was cool to see that in person. Um, is that something that's typically done after friendlies? Uh, no. Uh, apparently, they mentioned this specifically on the broadcast. Uh, apparently, Arteta asked for that specifically. He hmm. wanted that to be done. I, part of the idea was he wanted his players to practice penalties. Right. And and not just yeah, practice cool. them, but in a certain certain kind of... Like, you can practice them in practice with your teammates, but a certain kind of competitive environment. I mean, you know, is this what a shootout would be like if, you know, if we were to face United, say, in the FA Cup or in the Champions League? No. Right. No, but of course not. You get a not, sense yeah. of how some players, and again, you saw a lot of guys because of the shootout can only be taken by players who are on the field when the game ends. 
which I suspect right. for a preseason is so similar. I mean, you're seeing from a lot of guys who you probably aren't going to see taking penalties. I mean, granted, we don't need to see Bukayo Saka or Gabriel Jesus take a penalty. <laughs> we know what that looks like. We know how they are. Right. But maybe it'd be good to see Fabio Vieira take one. You know, is he a guy you can rely on in those kind of situations? I, I and think you picked the guy who missed his shot, actually. I'm yeah. sure that's partly. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that, that, so, I mean, in, in that sense, it, it's, uh, with a friendly, the, it's really up to, it's really up to the teams involved, whatever they want to do. And, you know, especially because these U.S. tours are organized by these outside groups. Some of them, they want the shootout because it'll be fun. And it is fun. I mean, again, who cares? Again, it's matter. So who cares? Mm. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, what is up next? I know we're still a couple weeks out from the regular season. When when is that uh, when is that game going to be? Who's it against? Uh, we we may or may not. You may or may, you, dear listener, may or may not hear from us um, next week. Uh, we, we've got some personal things going on. We may or may not have Internet next week. Um, so you may hear from us. And if so, great. Um, but just in case, uh, when does the 23-24 season start? For Arsenal, uh, the season will start, uh, as we said, about a little less than two weeks from now. Sunday, August 6th, we play Manchester City for the Community Shield. And we'll talk a little bit more about right. the Community Shield. If we record next week, we'll hopefully talk a little bit more about what the Shield is and what that game means. Um, more than the All-Star game, but less than what will come the following week. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> we'll play City in the Shield on the 6th. And then our, I believe our season opener is set for... Uh, Saturday, uh, yeah, Saturday, August twelfth, Arsenal home to Nottingham Forest. So, uh, yeah. that is, so we are the season is nigh upon us. And apparently, Forest uh, didn't get relegated, so good for them. <laughs> no, they didn't. They survived. Actually, their win against us late in the season is what clinched their spot up. So, oh, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're glad to be back. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U super fan to download a raw, unedited recording right away, as well as occasional bonus content. Uh, perhaps something when I finish watching Ted Lasso, maybe <laughs> we'll do that as a bonus episode. Um, there's a link in the show notes. If you want to join, uh, thanks again to our sponsor Zencaster. You can find them with our special link. That's in the description or show notes. You can follow our show on Twitter at Gooner U show for updates and to ask questions. Please do. We'd love to hear from you again. My name is Dove and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel with me as always is Keith. And you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches in maybe a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and w only when I'm not in Vegas watching the U.S. So, <laughs> USA, USA. <laughs> All right, until next time.